Years ago, Lindley and I had the opportunity to go to Yellowstone National Park together. And when we got there, upon entering the park, you're given all of these pamphlets warning you about the dangers of the park. These acid pools that will destroy you if you get in them. These animals that will kill you if you get close to them. I mean, there's just lots of information about how you're going to die there. And uh, when we went in one of these shops at the entrance, uh, there was a book for sale, Deaths in Yellowstone, about all these people that actually died in Yellowstone. It's a real encouraging entrance into the park. And I felt so encouraged by that that I bought that book and started reading that. And so I had all these thoughts in my mind about people you know, falling into these acid pools or people getting gored and trampled by bison. I mean, that was in my mind. Well, this one morning I go out, Lindley's not up yet, and I go out early and the sun's rising and I, I'm, I'm on the Firehole River. There's, a, there's just kind of some steam coming off the river. Everything's still outside. I'm out in the middle of what feels like nowhere. And I began to fish on this river, and it is just captivating. The scenery is amazing. The sound of the river flowing by, the anticipation of catching some fish there in Yellowstone. And I'm literally just captivated by the moment. I'm caught up in it. My senses are on overload, and I am just dialed into the moment until I feel a presence. And I just kind of stop, and my heart starts beating fast. And I look behind me, and right behind me, almost close enough to touch, is a 2,000-pound bison. Let's just say in that moment, I did not like being by myself. I really hoped that in that moment, that I was not alone. I wanted somebody else to be there, to be with me, to face this moment, even if it meant all they did was watch me die. I'd have felt better about not being alone and dying, you know. I wanted to be with someone. Fortunately, I was able to get away from that bison, and he wasn't as interested in me as I previously thought, and I moved far, far away from him to, to continue my fishing. But that's just one of those moments where I end up in a situation where I wish I was not alone. Have you ever been in a moment like that where you just wish, man, I, was, I, I, I wish I was not alone in this moment? Well, I found out something about Lindley uh, this last week that I had, had not known. This was new information to me. And, you know, when you've been married for over 20 years and you find out something new about your spouse, it totally is, is foreign to anything you thought about them before. It's, it's kind of eye-opening and, and gives you some insight into their life and their personality and their, their dreams and aspirations. And so, so I thought this morning I'd share a little bit of that with you because I need some intervention help. I need some help from you guys to intervene on Lindley's behalf. So let me tell you what she told me this week that I, that I did not know. She, she's had this lifelong dream of wanting to lay down next to and put her arms around and like cuddle with a lion or a tiger, a live lion or tiger. She knows I'm doing this, believe me, or I'd be in trouble. So, so she has this, she tells me this and I'm like, you really want to do that? What in the world are you thinking? And she says, yeah, this kid at school came to school with a picture of himself laying down next to a tiger, and I've always wanted to be able to be that close to a lion or tiger. And uh, I say, well, what does that have to really do with this kid in this picture? Well, that kid did that in Thailand. Well, we're going to Thailand in June. And so Lindley's now got in her mind that when she goes to Thailand, she's going to cuddle up with a live tiger. And I just want to publicly remind her that the Bible likens the devil to a lion. 
And the Bible says that the devil is seeking, prowling around, seeking to devour somebody. There's a reason why the devil is likened to a lion, because a lion looks to isolate a weak individual and devour them. And, and I'm, as far as I'm concerned, if she gets into a picture scenario with a lion, she's alone. She's weaker than that lion, and she's in trouble. And it'd just be really encouraging to me if you guys would encourage her not to do that, because I'm afraid that if she does that, she will not come home in June from Thailand. And so you guys just encourage her and remind her that being alone with a lion is dangerous. Being together with a group of people far away from lions is safe. Alone, supper. Together, better. And so just remind her of that today and just help me along with that. Because really, the, the truth is that we are always better together. And that's a theme that I want us to focus in on today by looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Better together. Now today, as Kurt mentioned, we're stepping out of Second Chronicles. We're digging in just briefly into, into Hebrews to kind of set the tone for what I want to talk about today. In terms of what this sermon is about, it's not necessarily just a membership sermon. This is really a vision sermon for where we're headed in this new year. So I want you to really grab hold of what the Lord is calling us to be about as a church. And let's start by looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25 together. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the first thing we're encouraged to do, commanded to do, is to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. The confession of our hope is Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, the very first chapter, we are told that God has spoken once and for all in His Son, Jesus Christ, who holds all things together who's the radiance of God's glory, who sustains everything by His powerful Word, who has made provision for forgiveness, who has entered into the heavenly realm and sits on the throne of God. He is the Son of God. He's higher than angels. He is the Son of God who became man, took on flesh so that He might die in paying the penalty of all our sin and in rising from the dead, providing for us victory over sin and death that separated us from God. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we are each forgiven and given eternal life. That is our confession of hope. That in Jesus Christ, because of who He is, we place our faith in Him and can be saved from our sin, from God's wrath, and delivered into eternal life, being an co-heir with Jesus Christ through faith in Him. He is our confession, and we must hold fast to that confession. And the reason we hold fast to Jesus Christ and all He has said and all He has done and all He has promised is because Jesus Christ alone defines faithfulness. If Jesus Christ tells you something or promises you something or accomplishes something on your behalf, you can trust that He will deliver. And we got to hold on to this confession of trusting in Christ because of all He is, all He's said, and all He's done, because He will deliver on our salvation absolutely, completely, perfectly. And we got to make sure that we're holding to that confession because of the faithfulness of Christ to deliver on what He has promised. And He has promised to save every single person who trusts in Him. 
And so we hold fast to the confession because he is faithful. Now notice the next command tells us that we should consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking your own assembling together. We are to take careful consideration on how we might show concern and care for one another, encouraging, being a catalyst in each other's lives towards love and good deeds. Now, if you think about what what is he describing when he's talking about love and good deeds? Well, he's describing everything that flows out of holding to the confession of Jesus Christ. You hold to the confession of Christ as we should without wavering because he is promised and faithful to keep those promises. Then from that holding fast to the confession will flow everything good and right that glorifies God in and through our lives. And if we're going to consider one another how we can help each other best, we've got to consider how we can help each other hold fast to the confession of Jesus Christ so that from that flows all of these important Love and good deeds that reflect the glory and goodness of Christ. And notice that the thing we've got to do if we're going to really consider how we can be a catalyst in one another's lives for holding fast the confession of Jesus Christ is not forsaking the gathering together of ourselves. We've got to be gathering together in such a way in the context of the body of Christ that I can see into your life and you can see into my life and we can consider carefully and, and purposefully how I might be a catalyst, a, a stimulant in your life so that you hold fast to Jesus Christ and from your life flows the things that glorify Jesus. So, so I've got to make sure that I'm not falling into what's natural, the habit of some. The natural progression of each of our lives is not to be in the kind of fellowship that brings about exhortation and confession and repentance and confrontation and rebuke and movement forward in the holiness of Christ. That's not what is natural about any one of us. What's natural is gravitating away from that kind of fellowship to the kind of fellowship that serves our own egos and our own selfish needs. The kind of selfishness that really promotes ungodliness and idolatry in our lives. That's the natural progression. And we've got to press against what's natural and choose a different path, a path of greater resistance where we're digging into a situation in the body of Christ where we really can display a concern for one another and really encourage one another in the context of the body of believers so that we all are pursuing Christ in a way that glorifies Jesus. We need to be plugged into each other's lives. And, and here at Southside, one of the ways that we want to do that is by making sure that every single person in our church body is plugged into a smaller group of fellowship, a small group experience. See, it's in that smaller group that that kind of knowledge of one another and, and being a catalyst in one another's lives can really happen. No doubt that that happens on a larger level to some degree, but if you really want to move into a relational fellowship spiritually that brings about the greatest stimulation of being the the most incredible catalyst for someone's spiritual life, then you've got to move into a scenario where you're plugged in in a relational way in a smaller group of people. And, And I just want to encourage you to think about this year at Southside Baptist Church as the year when we're going to strive together as a church to be better together. To be in a small group experience at some level regularly in your life. And I want to tell you there are three 
pathways to a small group experience in our fellowship. And I just want to line those out for you so you can know exactly how to move in that direction in your life. Now, there are three types of small groups that, that exist for your involvement here at Southside. One is a Bible study small group where an individual is standing before you and actually teaching Scripture to you and walking through passages of the Bible in a small group setting. It's just a Bible study. Someone's teaching. And most of those are offered on Sunday mornings where you can step into a Bible study opportunity and get in a small group experience in that venue. Another small group experience that you have opportunity to step into in our church is what we've called discipleship studies. And there where you're in a small group and you're gathered around a curriculum or a, or a material, a set of materials that, that, is, that is guiding you and someone's facilitating the experience around God's Word. And you're digging into a set study that maybe addresses a particular topic. That, that small group experience is offered here at our church primarily on Wednesday nights. You can find it other times, but primarily on Wednesday nights. And it's an opportunity for you to be involved in a small group experience. The third kind of small group experience you have opportunity to get involved in our churches, a home group or a care group, an opportunity to jump into someone's home and plug into a small group where you are, where you are experiencing conversation and discussion um, around the Sunday morning sermon, thinking about ways you can apply that deeper in your life in the context of a small group. And that happens mostly on Sunday evenings in a small group in people's homes. Now, if you're a college student here this morning, there are two opportunities that are like those three that you can get involved in in our church body. One is through the Sunday morning Bible study hour. You're going to have an opportunity to be in table groups this semester where you're interacting with some, some adults in our church in a small group setting through the entire course of the semester. Then you also have an opportunity to sign up on a Sunday morning to be involved in a small group like our home groups um, for college students so that on Sunday nights you can gather in a small group situation and dig into God's Word together and be in that level of community. Now, all of those small group opportunities are open for all of us in our church, and we want to encourage you to be involved in a small group experience in 2014. What we really want is to see every single person in our church being involved in some kind of small group experience regularly in your life. Now, the reason why we have three different types of small group experiences in our church is because in your season of life, or maybe in your interests right now in your life, or maybe just what you prefer right now, may reflect one group over another. Some of you may be in a situation right now in your life where being in a Bible study small group, where somebody's actually teaching you from God's Word and walking through a particular passage in a small group setting. That may be what you're really wanting to be involved in, what really clicks with you right now where you're at in life. Maybe, maybe for you, you say, man, there is a study that's going on right now, this particular topic, in this particular setting, and man, this is the kind of small group that I need right now in my life. Well, that could be your situation. Maybe you're more comfortable going to someone's home and being involved in that kind of community and discussion. There's some options for you because we recognize that not every single option is going to reflect every single person. We also recognize that our facilities are limited and we have to have other options for people to plug into small group experience. So we've tried to create three different avenues for you to get in a small group experience because in each one of those opportunities, the thread of a small group experience exists. In other words, the opportunity for individuals within a body of believers to dig in to each other's lives around the Word of God and sharpen each other to follow Christ and hold to the confession. And we'll simply be better together.
You're not designed to do the journey of faith alone. It's designed to be done together. And if we all get together at that level where somebody can see into my life and I can see into somebody else's life, we'll be better together in 2014. And that's our heartbeat, that, we, that that's what we would do and that's how we would do it. If you think about the human body, you know, the, the Bible calls the, the church the body of Christ. You think about the human body. There are at least three primary ways for identifying the human body. The iris of the eye is one way. It's a unique. Even identical twins don't have the same uh, formations in the iris. Every individual has a unique iris, a way to identify you. Another way is the vein structure in your hand. They're developing technology where they're doing recognition software in, in co- companies and corporations where they actually look at the vein structure in the hand to verify your identity and that you're belonging in this particular part of the organization. And then fingerprints, that's the one we all know of. And, and these are ways where individuals are identified as unique and particular. Here's what I'm praying for this year. That one of our identifiers as a church body will be this concept, this biblical concept of better together. Now, I want to share with you a couple ways that I think that this, this identifier can emerge in and through our lives in 2014. And, and there are three words you can think of when you think of how this identifier can emerge. Let me give you the three words, and then we'll all walk through them together. Number one is transformation. Number two is location. And number three is mobilization. Those are our three words we're going to focus in on. Transformation, location, mobilization. Let's talk about transformation. Kurt already mentioned to you what's happened this weekend. We're 40-some-odd college students set aside a weekend to pour their lives out to 40-some-odd junior hires and high schoolers. In addition to these, these families that open up their homes. In addition to our pastors who gave of their time in leading the the effort of disciple now. And what's really exciting about that experience is that everything that was done this weekend to pour into these students' lives was done because of the hope and the belief that if we do this together and we get in this situation together, we'll be better for it and we'll find that God has transformed our lives. The whole purpose of everything that's been happening this weekend with all the effort and all the time and all the relationship building and all the late hours. I mean, the 11 o'clock service is going to be rough. I'm going to do like jumping jacks and backflips to keep everybody awake that was involved in the disciple now because they spent lots of hours just, just spending time together. Why? Because we believe that transformation will happen better together. And so we put everybody together for a whole weekend and people's lives will have been transformed. God will change them. And I want you to realize that the the, the reason I want you and we want you to be plugged into a small group experience is because the transformation that God wants to bring about in your life will be better when you are together with the body of believers on an intimate level. It'll be better together. There's a guy this last week sent me an email And this last year in his life, he put himself in a position more than ever before in his life of being together with other believers in a way that they could confront, encourage, exhort, rebuke, challenge his spiritual life to hold to the confession of Jesus Christ. And he was kind of just giving me an update about his life in this little email. And he had this this line in there. I want to share with you what he said. He said, it is mind-blowing to think about where my life was 
just one year ago. Now, what has he just communicated? He's just said that I've been transformed in one year in such a way that I can't even fathom that it really happened. He discovered he's better together. And I want us all to discover that. I want us all to be able to say at the end of this year, to look back at 2014 and say, the way God transformed my life in 2014 is mind-blowing. I mean, do you believe that in one year's time, God could so transform your life that it blows your mind you never thought it could be like that? Do you believe that? I mean, that's really what God wants to do with our lives. He wants to transform us so that literally we say, there's no way I could have done that on my own. It blows my mind that what's been accomplished in me is beyond me. It can only be explained by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what God wants for our lives? Isn't that what you want for your life? I'm here to tell you it can be better together. Transformation can really happen in your life. Better together. All right, the second word, location. Now, I want you to think of, of location in two ways. The first way I want you to think about location is in terms of our actual facilities, our campus here. There's some things that we need to accomplish in 2014 in order to do what God's called us to do more effectively. And I want to tell you about three major projects that have to do with our location, our facilities, that I want you to be a part of this year because we can really do this better together. All right, first of all is our entry into our gym and fellowship hall area, which includes the bathroom remodel in that area. So we want to improve our entry into the fellowship hall and the gym area as, as well as finish our bathroom remodel in that area. Now, that it project was initially... Um, brought on because of a pipe bursting in that area of our facility and ruining a massive portion of the bathroom area. We had no choice but to give in a a renovation. We kind of stepped back and took a big picture. Well, if we're right in the middle of being forced to renovate some things, what do we need to do here to make this more functional and better for ministries to occur in those locations? And we feel like we need to open up our entry to the gym and make it more accessible because that's where we're doing our all-church fellowships. That's where a lot of things are happening through the week is in the fellowship hall and the gym area. And uh, we want to make that better. Well, if we're going to upgrade and renovate the, the bathroom area as you enter the women's bathroom, we need to Echo that with the men's bathroom. We need to complete that renovation, make it all look the same, have the entry really be functional and beneficial for the church activities that need to happen in that area. And so, and so we're seeking to finish that project in 2014. We need to finish that. The, the project number two is the area between the buildings, this, this transition area over here where the retaining wall is and our sidewalks and all that, we have more transition happening between these two buildings than ever before with the two services, two uh, Bible study hours. And we just need to finish the, the improvements in that transition area. We need to finish the walkways and some covering and some, some uh, pavers and, and, and area in front of that retaining wall. We need to get all that up to speed so that it, it facilitates our transition even better between buildings. We want to finish that project in 2014. Then we also want to, the third project is we want to expand, and this is is the most critical one of all. We want to expand our nursery and children's area that that meets right here behind me. The four-year-old through the nursery area on this side over here, 
We need to expand that space. We, we are effectively going to double the nursery space because of the influx we have of families with little kids and the growing number of little ones that we've got to help take care of on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Thursday mornings, all that stuff we've got going on around here. And so what we need to do is double that space. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take this side, which mirrors the nursery space over there, which is currently offices, and we're just going to renovate the current office space to be new nursery space and to get everything up to par on equal footing for how it is prepared to take care of our children. We, we have got to do that by this fall. We've got to double our space. Now, in order to do that, we've got to renovate our current office space, which means we need to relocate our current office space. And we feel like that our best option at this point is to take the back half of the fellowship hall because 50% of the fellowship hall is used 95% of the time. We've got about 50% of space that's not being used regularly in that area. And so we can take that and make it more functional by creating it, uh, making it office space. And so we need to relocate our offices. We need to finish that project in 2014. We've got three major projects where we're supposed to update and take care of this facility that God's given us through which we are to function as a body of believers. And, and I'm just hoping that in hearing this, you would say, hey, we will be better together. If each one of us just does a little bit to help out, we can do this and more. We can do exactly what God's calling us to do if each one of us will be a part of it. And so I want to encourage you to think about how you can give and be a part of making those projects happen, how you can give of your time, your energies, your skills, and your, and your finances, how you can be a part of making those things happen in 2014. We've got to make those things happen, and we've got to have generous giving to make them happen. And, and we'll be able to do it if we're together in it. If everybody's doing a little bit, we'll be much better together. All right, so location in terms of our facilities. The second way I want you to think about location is in terms of your your way of serving in our body. What, where, where are you serving? What is the place that you've decided to plug your life in into service? Every person that is a part of this body of believers, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and this is where God is planting your life for whatever time He's planting you here, He has called you to serve the body of believers. He's called you in some capacity to serve here. So, so listen, if you're not serving, if you don't have some area or, or way to serve in our body, then there is a need for you to serve. Because everybody has a place of service. Every single believer has a place to serve within the body of Christ. And if you don't have a place, you're needed. The question that you ask is, is there a place for me to serve? No. If you're a believer and you're planted here, the question is, where am I supposed to serve? You're needed. And I just want to encourage you to think about your place of service. If you don't feel like you have much time, guess what? God will call you to a place of service that will be realistic for the other things in his life he's called you to do. And will help you find your place. You don't feel like you have much experience, guess what? God will use you in a way, in a place that will reflect who you are, when you are, in your walk with Christ. And we want to help you find your place. Every single person. In this body, believers needs to have a place of service because we're better together. In fact, I'm convinced that we are only able to do what God's called us to do when everybody is responding to God's call in their lives. And everybody in this body, believers, who are following Jesus Christ, have been called to serve in some way in this body.
So find your place. All right? Okay, third big word is mobilization. Mobilization. This year in 2014, our church has endeavored to take on a huge project. We're going to be taking this trip to Thailand in June. And there's, we needed 40 people from our church to say, God's calling me to go to Thailand in order to, to, to carry this out. And uh, we have 40 people who are going to Thailand. I'm super excited about that. They're committed. We're, we're, we're getting plane tickets. I mean, it's, it's a deal. It's going to happen. And it's super excited to see that unfold and uh, to see in our church 40 people say, God's calling me. But I want to remind you that in order for us to accomplish what needs to be accomplished with Project Thailand, It cannot be the responsibility of 40 people. This has got to be a church-wide calling. And I know that that means that there are 40 that are going, then the rest of you are not going, and I want to encourage you to consider how you will be involved. Not if you will, but how you will. Every single person in this church needs to be embracing this calling for Project Thailand. And I want to encourage you that the one way that everybody should be embracing it is to pray. I just, I just encourage you, urge you to pray every single day. If you can somehow remind yourself, put a reminder in your life, make it a, a pattern, a habit in your life to every day pray for those who are preparing to go, not only from our body of believers, but from the areas of the world where they're coming to gather in Thailand for this conference. Pray every day. Some of you would love to go and you just can't. And you're feeling and sensing that the Lord would like you to be involved in more ways than praying. Maybe you, would, you feel the impression to give. We need that kind of support. Maybe you feel the impression to supply uh, some of the things we need, some of the supplies we need. There's going to be some things that you're going to hear about as we move towards June that we need help gathering and, and getting together in terms of supplies. We've got logistical needs. We've got preparation needs. We've got training needs. We've got all kinds of needs that are going to emerge, and we need everyone's support. And I just urge you this morning to make the decision that you're going to be a part of the mobilization for accomplishing this calling on our church to pull off this Project Thailand. And I want you to know that we're going to be better together, not just with Project Thailand, but we're going to be better together as a church body far beyond June. If we will all embrace this opportunity, God is going to so move in our church that we're going to see amazing things happen, not only in Thailand, but right here in our body. I'm convinced that if we'll get together on this, that we'll be better in our own places where we live and where we work in terms of sharing Jesus Christ and lifting high the truth of the gospel. I want us to be a church who's reaching people. And this effort to go to Thailand is going to help us to be better reaching people here if we're all on board. We'll be better together. We'll be better together reaching the unchurched. We'll be better together reaching families, reaching students, reaching the world. I want to invite you in to be better together in terms of being mobilized for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Better together. God's going to work in our lives this year. We're talking about idolatry all spring and regroups. Guess what? We're going to be better dealing with the idolatry in our lives if we do it together. God's going to be calling all of us to repentance repeatedly throughout the spring. Guess what? We're going to be better responding to repentance together. 
God's going to be calling each of you to serve and give your lives away in different ways throughout the entire semester. Guess what? You'll be better at all that together. I want to encourage you to think that way. All right, in your bulletin, if you picked up a bulletin, there's a form in there. I'm going to quickly make reference to this form. We want you to fill this out this morning. It's a response to this vision of better together. And what we want you to do if you're a member of our church is go through that top section and just check off the areas that apply to you. If you want the elders to pray for you as you seek the Lord to transform some area of your life, check that off. If you want to be mobilized, check that. If you will make a commitment to serve for a year. You know, every spring we ask people to make commitments to serve for a year. If you want to prepare for that, check that off. If you want to be in a small group experience, just circle those. Listen, you don't have to worry about, how do I get in a small group experience? What are they again? And what were the three kinds? Well, here the three kinds are. If one of those fits you or maybe more than one, just circle the ones you're interested in. Check it off. We will help you. We're going to make this very easy for you. You don't have to know what to do and how to do it. Just know if you want to do it. Check it off. We'll help you figure it out. We want you to be in a small group experience, so check that off if that's you. And then if you want to be involved in one of those facility projects, write down what project you say, I want to be involved in making this happen. I've got the means, I've got the time, I've got the skills, I want to help. Write that down, check that off. Be in a small group, you want to lead a small group, teach a Bible study, find a place to serve, you want to talk to an elder, you say, man, I don't, I don't know what I need to do, but I don't need help. Would a shepherd in this body just help me figure out where to go? Check that off. If you're not a member in our church, listen, we want you to be plugged in. We want to be a part of this body of believers. And so look at these ones for those of you who are not members. You want to join, be a part of this church family. You want to find out more about being a part. You want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You never made that decision to hold fast the confession. Check that. Just walk through these. Find a place to serve. Interested in a small group experience. Be involved in a facility project. And I want an elder to contact me. Just write down your name your phone number, your email, and put that in the offering box as you leave today. I really would love every single person here to fill out one of these forms. If you didn't get one, they're in the bulletin. You can pick it up on the way out and put it in the offering box and let us know how you're responding to what God is calling us to be as a church body this year better together. You know why Southside has a plurality of leaders, elders, and deacons leading our church? Because God tells us we're going to be better together. You know why we have all these small group experiences for you? Because God tells us we're going to be better together. Do you know why we're better together? Because it's God's design. Think about the words that God uses in Scripture to to define us, to describe us. Church, a body, a fellowship, a people, a nation, a priesthood. It's obvious through Scripture that we are better together. And I encourage you, to make sure you're a part of that identifier. So when people look at us, they say, this is a people who's holding fast to the confession of Jesus Christ together. And they are better for it.